What the fuck is up, world? Biali Tlaltik Bak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Sea dicho. Coming about two months time now since the last episode. I hope you all have been well. Your boy has been doing well as well. Well as well as well as well. Right? Uh, part of the reason why I haven't been able to drop a podcast. Things fortunately are going well enough that I've been just so preoccupied with work at the moment that, I mean, this is kind of an excuse and for reasons we'll see here shortly, but the truth is, yeah, dog, it also does take, I mean, work currently right now, you know, does take a lot of, is taking a lot of my time. One of the things about being a college professor is that it's, you know, depending on the enrollments can be, you know, feast or famine. And right now, thankfully, in the spirit of the season, uh, it's it, it's feast, right? So because of that, you know, I've just been fucking, <laughs> I've just been busy, dog, with work. And again, thankful for that, no doubt, right? But also probably a little bit of an excuse because obviously we all got 24 sevens in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, according to the Gregorian calendar. And because of that, I could have perhaps been more fruitful with my time off. That would have enabled me to drop another podcast more recently than the two month span that it's been since my last episode. But one thing that I'm starting to really, really, really appreciate as I get older, doc, I'm just divorcing myself mercifully more and more from a capitalist mode of um, happiness, basically. Like, what the fuck, dog? Like, sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? And what I'm saying by that is that, you know, capitalism, we've all been traumatized, dog, because that's the theme of the episode for today to an extent. Trauma, bro. It's all about trauma. But more importantly, it's all about overcoming the trauma, the strength that we have within us to overcome the trauma, what gave birth to the trauma in the first place. And one of those things that gave birth to the trauma that we all experience by virtue of simply being human beings living in the 21st century Western world is capitalism dog you know what i'm saying and right now currently i'm still in the desocialization process from allowing capitalism to determine the value that i place on my time my free time and my hobbies like dropping a podcast sometimes i get a little bit fucking overwhelmed with the idea that i've been podcasting this bitch for like three years now and that it hasn't Okay, I got to be very careful with how I'm going to say this. So before I say it, I'll just say this. Shout out to all you motherfuckers that have fucking reached out in the last two months and be like, yo, Ice, when you drop in another potty, bro? And I'm like, yo, dog, I'm going to get to that shit as soon as I can, homie, just just because of you. Shout out to uh, Turo on, I'm sure it's Turo, right, on Instagram. Uh, Shout out to a few other people as well. My bad. I don't mean to be dissing you. It's just, you know, my mind kind of, there's this track of the people in the last two months that have been asking but just know that like, I appreciate the fuck out of you doing so. It's really what has motivated me to do this particular episode because, as I'm saying, I'm really starting to appreciate and enjoy my downtime and I don't constantly feel the need to be producing something in order to validate my existence. And that's the whole point of taking it back from the capitalist norms of or what, what capitalists tell you is you know valuable. And what they'll tell you is that there is no such thing as free time, that every single waking moment should be spent trying to prior, uh, uh, you know, produce something uh, and monetize something. And that's kind of the point that I was getting to when I was stating before I paused to give a shout out to all you motherfuckers that listen to this bitch. 
And that was that, you know, sometimes I do get the, the capitalist mode of production overtakes me. And I start to think to myself, like, well, I've been doing this for three years. I should be seeing some sort of finance, more financial incentive than I've seen at this point. But then I take a step back and I realize, like, not everything needs to be, fine, uh, you know, monetized, bro. Some things can be passion projects. And the idea that you can't have that, that everything needs to be monetized is a uniquely fucking capitalist. I don't want to say uniquely capitalist because there's fucking hustlers out there, dog, who appreciate the grind. You know what I'm saying? But for a lot of us, uh, something like a podcast for me, this initially intended to be a passion project, like something I do fucking for fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, something that I do to share my thoughts with the world, notably students that I would have um, that would, you know, the, the, the semester would come to an end and my students would be like, well, what's next? You know, and I'd have to tell them I, I teach at a community college, bro. I teach at community colleges mostly. And because of that, I, I have a very limited amount of classes that I can offer you. I can offer you an ethics or I can offer you an introduction course to philosophy in some capacity or another. But aside from that, that's quite literally the limits to my capabilities of what uh, a, uni- a, a college environment will allow me, which, of course, was an excuse, which is why I started the podcast, because, well, now I can start I could talk about whatever the fuck I want whenever I want outside of the you know, the legitimizing force of the academia. So, you know, when my students initially, enough of them came out to me and they're like, well, what's next after this class? I've taken your intro class and I've taken your fucking ethics class and now I want more. And it's like, well, fuck, you know, instead of telling them I got nothing, I just say, well, drop, listen to the podcast, bro. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying is that it started as a passion project. And of course, if it was enabled to, you know, become more monetized, of course I would take it most likely, right? But the point that I'm trying to get to is just coming to terms with the fact that, again, the free time that I have doesn't necessarily need to be directed towards making a podcast anymore because I don't feel the impetus to fucking constantly be producing material in order to stay relevant. You know what I'm saying? Uh, To be constantly on the top of your feed every time you open up your YouTube or your, you know, whatever podcast app that you listen to, because that's not what the fuck I'm doing this for. You know what I mean? And uh, that's why I say a special shout out to you motherfuckers that are not only listening to it, but checking in and being like, yo, dog, when's the next podcast? Because that lets me know that I'm fucking, you know, I'm vibrating with the people that I'm looking for. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that just because you haven't reached out and asked where the next podcast is, that this isn't for you. So much as it is to say that for the casual listener of a podcast, the person who's just, you know, flipping through their iTunes at any given moment, looking for something else to dead in the silence this is probably not for them because it's not consistent enough for that. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to allow those people to determine what I do with my free time because ultimately the point that I was trying to get to is that that free time is very meditative in nature. And that's something that I'm really starting to learn to appreciate from as I delve deeper into these ancestral teachings, um, you know, into the now, just essentially the Nawa cosmology, bro. And, you know, that is the idea that meditation is not just this practice of you sitting there like fucking Rikishi in The Lion King, you know what I'm saying? With your eyes closed and humming some mantras, like, I'm sure that's definitely part of it. But meditation can also be other things, dog, like sleeping, like just not fucking doing anything, sitting on the couch and just staring and inward, you know, hopefully. But also if you're vegging on social media, maybe a little bit of that too, you know what I'm saying? Uh, meditation can be flowing at jujitsu, flow rolling at jujitsu, rolling in general at jujitsu. Meditation, essentially, the point that I'm trying to get to, can be anything that eases us, eases our minds. You know what I'm saying? To which, again, for me, in many ways, this podcast does. So uh, again, 
learning to appreciate not only the fact that not not everything needs to be produced and you know monetized but also appreciating the fact that I'm not podcasting for I'm podcasting for a very specific group of people the people that are actually fucking interested in hearing what it is thankfully for what it is that I have to say you know what I mean so I wasn't as this two month break unfolded I wasn't necessarily pressed and I found this to be very relaxing by the way but I wasn't necessarily pressed on trying to produce a podcast as quickly as possible because again a lot of that comes from the capitalist means of mode of production that's in all of us. And my understanding, for instance, of how podcasts work, that if you don't consistently pump them out, you're not going to stay relevant because the people who are listening and digesting the episodes, they're going to just skip on to the next thing in order to just keep the their entertainment going. Right. So I had to make a conscientious decision to, again, decide like that's not my crowd. That's not for me. My folks are the ones that are going to listen fucking two months after I drop a podcast, you know. Because they're interested in hopefully the content as opposed to the, the 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 amount of episodes I'm dropping, right? And it's not just me, dog. And that's kind of the point that I'm trying to get to ultimately with this long-winded ass introduction. And that is that uh, I'm basically again I'm just trying to relay my life experiences and hoping hoping it's not even a word, <laughs> hoping that they will you know inspire within you some sort of thought that can help uncover this similar feeling that I'm trying to convey to you. And that is however it is, it relates to your specific circumstances because I don't know what your circumstances are. Like, I'd love to know, you know what I mean? Reach out to me, holler at your boy, OG underscore ice nice 13 on the gram. You see how organically that shit was, dog? I didn't force it this time at all, right? I slipped it right in. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, share dog you know reach out holler at your boy let me know like this is what i do on my free time bro you know what i'm saying and um ultimately then the point that i'm trying to get to is that hopefully this introduction that i've given so far again just me relaying my thoughts and sending them out to the world to whoever wants to fuck with them right inspires the thought within you to uncover a similar truth a similar feeling and that is just how much Ultimately, dog, ultimately, as I'm going to show, hopefully, as this bitch unfolds, and that is to just truly appreciate this fucking moment that we have. You know what I'm saying? And not allow these external forces that are constantly driving all of us, you you included, you know, to act out of pocket when we should realistically just be appreciating the opportunity to even be in that position in the first place. And of course, what I mean by act out of pocket is not like act all crazy and shit, but just acting in a way that allows external forces to influence our internal reaction just our our, in, our internal being dog you know what i'm saying for me it's and the example of the podcast and you know oh my god i gotta monetize this podcast which means i have to drop an episode every week in order to stay relevant like that's just one part of me and within me that's motivated by external forces I, you know we all wear different hats we all play different roles um and the point that i'm trying to state here is that trying to take stock of all these different roles and the overlying effect that they have within us. Some of y'all motherfuckers are students, as well as being parents and workers and husbands and wives and, you know, sons and daughters, etc. And you're trying to fucking monetize your, you, you know, you're trying to survive a capitalist system. Like, that's a lot of hats to wear, bro. That's a lot of fucking external impetus that demands a level of joy, essentially, uh, be, that, that, that can demand. Let me be very clear with what I'm trying to say that can demand a certain level of joy being removed from this experience of life 
And that if we don't take stock of that, it's probably not going to be the most pleasurable life, you know, despite all the external satisfaction that we gain in doing so. You know what I mean? If we're not actually enjoying the process, if we're not actually enjoying any of it, well, what the fuck is the point of it? You know what I'm trying to say? So that's kind of the, 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 the long-winded, that's the ultimate conclusion to that long-winded introductory rant of where it is that I've been, why it is that I've been there, and uh, hopefully one of the takeaways uh, that, well, it's not hopefully one of the takeaways, it, it is one of the takeaways that I've taken from this time off, and hopefully it's you know been delivered to you and conveyed in such a way that it can inspire within you. Again, once more, the thoughts that are will be, you know, the catalyst for you coming to similar uh, truths as well, assuming you already haven't, you know what I'm saying? Before I continue along, I should clearly state, by the way, that this was an idea that was awakened within me by way, as I mentioned briefly, of all the uh, ancestral Nahua philosophy classes that I am, it's not even... I don't even know what to call it, bro. I'll just call it like ancestral teachings. To call it philosophy would be so reductive uh, because philosophy as understood is not vast enough a word to encapsulate what it is that, you know, the knowledge our ancestors had to share. Not because they themselves weren't philosophers, but because, again, the teachings are so far beyond just philosophy is what I'm trying to say, right? Anyways, this idea that I have that I just shared with you was one that was uh, motivated or it was, again, awakened within me by some of those teachings, bro. And uh, specifically, one of those teachings uh, coming to us by way of a class that I'm currently taking on our sacred Tezcatlipoca, which before I even get into it, I should state probably came out of very, I, there's a few things I should state. First is, I, I would highly encourage you that if, if Tezcatlipoca is something that is calling to you, that you search out ancestral sources of the knowledge of Tezcatlipoca, uh, because this is coming from somebody who, you know, uh, everybody has a Tezcatlipoca, dog. Everybody's got a sacred Tezcatlipoca, right? It's basically a subconscious. And that's the most absolute reductive way of explaining it, which is why I mentioned earlier, by the way, that, you know, philosophy is not a good enough word to explain what we're learning. Uh, and that's because just using this word, for example, uh, subconscious, that's a term that comes to us by way of Western psych uh, psychiatry, which it doesn't even begin to encapsulate what it is that our ancestors taught us of Tezcatlipoca. So that's why, you know, I hesitated to even call it philosophy. It's the same reason I hesitate to call Tezcatlipoca subconscious. But for lack of my better ability to articulate the idea properly, which is why you should seek out the in indigenous sources, uh, you know, if that's something you're interested in, uh, I just use the word uh subconscious to you know relay that idea but uh anyways like i was stating if the tezcatlipoca the sacred tezcatlipoca is calling out to you it's not by accident we all have a sacred tezcatlipoca right but more importantly the reason why i gotta continue i continue to emphasize of learning it from our ancestral sources is because i know me personally tezcatlipoca has spoken to me for a very long time now my tezcatlipoca has spoken to me for a very long time now but I'm only now, within the last month or so, starting to understand what that truly means. Uh, and part of that was because I sought non-indigenous sources of knowledge for what a Tezcatlipoca was. And I'm not going to say that they're not, they're not entirely wrong. They've got like small little bits and pieces that they get correctly, like the sacred mirror, Tezcatlipoca, the sacred mirror, right? But there's fucking so much of it that they get just flat out wrong or just don't understand correctly and they basically are teaching it from a western lens that it just does it no service 
So, for instance, you know, from some of the readings just off the top that I remember learning from the Tezcalipoca, what Western academics tell us is that, you know, that they used to sit people in front of a smoking mirror and that it would, you know, as a metaphor for, you know, the clouded experience of our subconscious, which, again, it's not entirely false, but you don't need a philosopher. You don't need, a, you know, like the Lamatinis and the Temactianis, they, they help. You know what I mean? Don't get me twisted. But all that knowledge is within us, dog. All that knowledge is ready to be discovered within us. It's not in a mirror outside of us. We are the fucking smoky mirror. You know what I'm saying? That's why I kept on using the language earlier. Like, I hope the words that I've spoken have helped awaken within you or rather helped inspire within you the ideas that will awaken the truth as you uncover them, right? So that's just one small example of the Tezcalipoca of how I personally mistook it for the longest time. And uh, it wasn't until literally like a month ago that I started taking this class on our sacred Tezcalipoca that I'm only now starting to really understand and appreciate what it really is, right? It's not a god. It's not the fucking... The god of the, it's not the god of night like we're told. It's none of that, dog. I mean, the night plays a figurative role in it, but again, when you think of it as a god of night, you think of it like some Mortal Kombat Radiant character or some ancient Greek mythology type shit, and that's just absolutely not what it is, right? Um, perhaps a more appropriate approximation of what it could be. Now, you know, because again, I'm not the expert. I'm still learning this shit, but. This is me relaying to you the ideas that I've had in learning this. And it's it's that which sees us without the eyes, without eyes. It's that which hears us without ears. You know what I mean? It literally is our, it's our inner self, but not in this soul type of way, not in this content noumena, you know, I, uh, personal self type of way. It's something completely different, dog. And uh, again, I'm, this is not the episode for sure, and I'm certainly not the, the source that's qualified to discuss it, but it, it, it just gets so deep into our genetic being, our literal genetic makeup, and how that genetic makeup has existed since time immemorial, and how it will continue to exist long after we exist, and you know how that genetic memory, the egg cell and the sperm, for instance, they were driven by some force, uh, a dynamite, uh, uh, animating force, and that th- that animating force created something, you out of what was once, you know, just genetic memory from, again, time immemorial. So not even speaking of your human ancestors now, I'm speaking about fucking the lizard ancestors and before, dog of human beings, you know what I'm saying? And that that, that dynamizing force that eventually comes to give birth to what would become, you know, and again, I'm butchering it terribly, but the basic idea is our sacred Tezcatlipoca, Tezcatlipoca, right? And um, one of the things, it's, so the class that I'm taking is called Meditations on Tezcatlipoca. And the reason being is because, again, it's just a cir- circumventing around the idea of not only trauma, recovery, but in this particular sense, meditation and the role meditation ultimately plays in recovering from the trauma, right? Uh, in this case, then, we're, we're meditating with our sacred Tezcatlipoca. We're learning to commune. We're learning to communicate with ourselves, with the self within us that has existed from time immemorial, with the self within us that contains within all sorts of knowledge and potentialities, not in term, not just in terms now of what you can potentially do in life, but in terms of like the actual tonal powali, the nawa count of days, which tells us you have the energy of an eagle, of a condor, of an ocelot, of a a a, a of a coyote, right, of a um of an alligator, all kinds of different, there's 20 of them, but 20 different forces 
that, you know, our ancestors recognized in life and, you know, attributed certain qualities of that creature to the, the facets of life that we live through and say, you have this within you, right? So it's not even potentialities like uh, in terms of now what you can potentially do in life if you just follow X, Y, and Z path, like the American dream, for example. But potentialities, like honestly, the 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 cosmology of life, doc, that exists within us, that has been manifested by way, again, of these creatures that our ancestors, you know, reduced to a calendar and, you know, created a Tonalpa Wali and said, this is this particular characteristic trait. And we all have it within us by virtue of the 280 days of pregnancy, which is the exact days uh, in, the, in, the, in the ancestral calendars, right? And then you add more to it in order to approximate closer to 365. That, that's a tangent, by the way. But uh, anyways, the idea being is that we have all these potentialities within us and our goal is to learn how to activate them at any given moment so that we can become the person that we were intended to be. And in this particular case, the person that we are intended to be is the person that our community needs us to be, right? So again, this is just getting into a little bit deeper of what the whole, a little bit of how the ancestral culture worked. But, you know, when people in their community in the past recognized the need for a certain role to be filled, uh, they they had made very conscientious efforts to not only try to conceive during this time where they knew a certain, you know, tonal would be born, like say you needed an ocelot, right? Uh, and because ocelots have all sorts of characteristic traits that, at you know, I, I can't recall them off the top of my head right now, but uh, maybe in a future episode I'll discuss it. But the idea is you need an ocelot at this particular time to help the community because they embody certain characteristics of the ocelot, right? And uh, you birth that person essentially into existence and then you train that person to be, you know, to fill this role and then you name that person accordingly and then as they mature into life, they become that person that their community desires, right? So when it comes to this, you know, whole reflection on Tezcatlipoca, then the part of it is, you know, learning, learning to communicate within ourselves so that we not only learn how we have all these energies within us, the Ocelot, the Cuscoatli, the, the Condor, right? All that kind of stuff. But also so that we can learn what it is that the role that we're here for and specifically the role that we play in our community. You know what I mean? Help unpolish that truth within us so that we can manifest, you know, I don't want to say manifest because that's like fucking new age hipster dumb bullshit. But so that, I mean, the word is manifest. So <laughs> irrespective of the new age hipster shit, right? Like the word still is manifest, but I hate to use it because it's associated with like the, the secret and all that kind of stuff, right? But in this case, I'm speaking of manifest as to actually make happen, right? Uh, the, the reason that we're here in the community. And this, of course, is something that our sacred Tezcalipoca can help, you know, orient us towards. But it's, you know, it does come with a little bit of a drawback, bro. And the drawback is that our sacred Tezcalipoca also has, I, I don't want to say good or evil, because this doesn't exist in ancestral Nahuatl, not as the way Christians thought of good and evil, Okay. But this Tezcatlipoca, they call it, you know, that which giveth and that kind of, this is not exact words, by the way. So again, I got to continue to emphasize, seek this knowledge from its ancestral source. But the basic gist is the sacred Tezcatlipoca was something that which was called like that which gives, but it also takes. Okay. And the reason being is because the Tezcatlipoca, it's not inherently good or bad it's just it just is right and it exists within all of us and 
the reason I emphasize this is because it's very easy to, you know, it's very easy to attribute good shit to, you know, positive traits to things, you know, when good things happen. But it's also very easy to wrongly attribute negative traits to that very same thing, like the Tezcatlipoca when it happened. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm trying to state here specifically, and this is like actual relaying of the ancestral uh, wisdom, and that is that you have to be careful when you're swimming in these waters, dog, at least Tezcatlipocas. Not because you should be afraid per se, but because you're opening up a lot of, you know, there's a lot of darkness within every single one of us, homie. Simply put, you know what I'm saying? I know I've used this metaphor on this podcast before, but every time I speak of it, it's the first thing that comes to mind because, I don't know, I'm the fucking nerd dork. I don't fucking know, right? But it's uh, the forest in Harry Potter, you know, like the dark forbidden forest. You cannot go in there, especially as first years, because you as first years do not have the fucking experience necessary to navigate and potentially survive it. And that's kind of the same idea when it comes to, you know, diving into these waters of the sacred Tezcatlipoca. And that is that you're going to you're going to you're going to reflect, you're going to meditate and you're going to you're going to be speaking with yourself. And there are some things within you that are very fucking they're scary, dog, and they're hidden away in the dark for a reason. You know what I'm saying? And um, again, this is kind of starting to orient us towards the whole purpose of meditation and, you know, ultimate trauma and how the meditation can serve in the recovery from the trauma. And that is that, you know. Once you start to familiarize yourself with this Tezcatlipoca, dog, we are not, we are not isolated beings that just came out of nowhere. We weren't fucking carrots that were, you know, uprooted from the ground. And even carrots aren't aren't oblivious to this Tezcatlipoca because even carrots fucking, their entire existence is predicated off genetic memory, genetic sequencing. You know what I'm saying? So the reason why I qualified is because not only are we directly influenced by our material conditions that we were born into so me personally for example and i'm sure the same is true of you i am only here in 2023 el paso texas because of the choices my ancestors made that converged onto this particular um into this particular moment that gave uh that that enabled my birth right so my grandparents deciding to leave mexico and come into united states of america the primary example they didn't fucking just out of nowhere decide to do that they were literally forced out of their ancestral land by capitalism and in an effort to survive capitalism they came to the united states which is where my mom met my dad and then boom here i am you know what i mean so that's what i mean by the the material conditions but i'm also we're also influenced by our genetic fucking circumstances which is obvious at first glance right but with what i'm trying to tell you with this sacred tezcatlipoca is that our genetic memory our genetic sequencing comes with a genetic memory again from time immemorial so before even the fucking lizard peoples that we all were at once right the single-celled organisms the things that existed at the at the conception of the universe the the stardust essentially right all that is genetic memory that we possess within us this whole notion that we are star stuff we are the universe experiencing itself yes but it's also still vastly limited to explain what it is that our ancestors are telling us like the sacred animating force that was at the birth of the universe, that was driving the birth of the universe, the actual birth of the universe itself is stored within us in our in our genetic memory, which is great when you're thinking about it in this vast cosmological sense. But it's a little bit of a fucking bummer when you consider it within the last 500 years of history, because what it's telling you 
is that all that shit that your ancestors, our ancestors survived and experienced by way of a fucking attempted genocide, that shit is within our genetic code. It's within our genetic sequencing. Everything that every single one of our progenitors did up to our parents, right? Good and bad. That's in their genetic memory and it's passed on to us, right? And those genetic memories, they can be fucking activated, very real. And the responses that we have to them can be very, you know, impactful to our everyday lives. So uh, this is what I'm talking about when I speak of what what our ancestors were speaking of when they talk about how you got to be careful with how we navigate this sacred Tezcatlipoca. Because, yes, there's great, there's a vast amount of great information in there. But there's a lot of terrifying shit in there, dog. And that's not that, that's just that's just speaking of the ancestral memory. You can add on to that because every single person that exists, they contribute to this memory, right? So now you can even add on to that memory your your experiences here on earth. You know what I'm saying? Here on this slippery earth of Tlaltikpak. And I'm sure some of them are gonna be good, great even. But some of them are also gonna be highly traumatic, dog. And when you start to speak to Tezcatlipoca, those memories are right there, right? Good and bad. There's one thing that, you know, a, a very recurring theme in these classes that we're teaching is don't just proliferate indigenous suffering. You have to be able to proliferate uh, the indigenous accomplishment as well. Yes, they got we got genocided, but we survived the genocide type shit. You know what I'm saying? Same concept here unfolding with the Tezcatlipoca. Like, yes, it can take, but it can also give. You know what I mean? Just you have to be very careful with the way that you're navigating these waters. But ultimately, this is something you have to do. Notice it's not whether. OK, I take it back. It's not a have to do. I'm not. They're not making a normative claim and I'm not going to make one for them. Them being our ancestors and normative being in like you have to do this. Like, No, it's not a matter of what you have to do or not. If you want to be live completely, you know, without any sort of connection to this philosophy, more power to you. If you don't want to converse with your inner Tezcatlipoca, your sacred Tezcatlipoca, or whatever it is that your society culture refers to it as, more power to you. You don't have to fucking do anything. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm also saying is that if you do want to do that, you have to be very careful because, you know, not only do you have to be very careful because of what can potentially come from it, but you probably also should do that because (laughs) we're all here for a reason. Whether whether we know it or not, essentially, right? We were all brought to this fucking slippery existence for a reason. And, um, you know, it would be nice to be able to know bec- what that reason was because, you know, we had connection to our ancestral past. And your mom and dad, for instance, could tell you, uh, mijo, mija, we brought you here to, uh, you know, Tlaltikpak because we needed a X, Y, and Z. We needed a, a, a fucking Ozomatli. We needed a Ocelot. We needed a... a uh, sorry, man. Sipakli, an alligator, right? And this is why you were here because you have a purpose to play to the community and to help uh, uplift the community and continue perpetuating its growth and development because the universe is literally all about continued growth and development. It's literally the fucking animating force that I keep talking about, right? But most of us, unfortunately, don't have that. And I know I certainly don't have that, didn't have that. Because of the, again, the material conditions that I was born into. I was born in the fucking hood, dog. Hood philosophy, right? In 19, uh, the mid-1980s, El Paso, Texas. What does that mean? It means that I was born into a Chicano culture, Mexican-American. That is 
fucking uh, indigenous in descent, right? I don't want to say in descent because that means we're not connected to the... We're indigenous, right? But as a Chicanx person, I was born here in the United States of America, again, in the mid-1980s, in the hood. So what does that mean? It means that I was born into fucking abject poverty to teenager parents, one of them who was a heroin addict. And because of that, I've never met him and he's dead now, so I never will meet him, okay? Uh, And the other one being my mom, who was 17 years old when she had me and still graduated high school. Kudos to her, right? But as an 18-year-old was not fucking fit, simply put, to raise a child, not in this capitalist society, because she was in many ways a child herself. And that is not a knock on my mother, per se, so much as it is, again, a conscientious understanding of the the historical material conditions that we find ourselves living in. So then the question becomes, why is that important? And the reason, of course, is now, now, after 36, almost 37 years on this bitch, on this slippery earth of plastic pack, I'm starting to slowly understand and it's becoming more and more evident to me with my reflections with my sacred Tezcatlipoca that the reason why I'm here is to fucking share this information, quite simply. Now, I say quite simply, but obviously it's never really that simple. You know what I'm saying? Um, the reality is, as I've mentioned before on this bitch, uh, our ancestors didn't take isolated incidents. They, there's no such thing. Everything happens for a reason, which is why I know me personally, I confidently can say whether the ancestors would agree with this or not. This is my belief. Every single purpose, every single person is here born for or born here, uh, descends here to Tlaltikpak for a reason. Right. And part of the parcels of philosophy is to discover that reason, in my opinion. Right. Uh, you, you converse with the sacred Tezcatlipoca so you can discover this, by the way, is the ancestral part. Discover what that reason could be. Right. Um, so <laughs> as much as I want to just reduce it and say, it's quite simple. Like I'm just here to teach the message. It's really not that simple. Right. And the reason why is because you, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to consider the best way to, uh, enter this, broach this topic, because I'm not trying to give you again, the impression that like, oh, I'm so special. Look at me. No, no fuck that dude. Like, y- <laughs> yes, I am special, but so are you. All right. So the point that I'm trying to get to, I guess, before I, you know, dive into this topic is that this is just me relaying to you. I'm relaying the message in hopes that it resonates again enough so that it could, you know, help you uncover, reveal the truth within you. But uh, I'm using my personal example because, well, fuck, I don't know yours, right? Like, I, I, have, I don't have no another personal example. I don't have another example to give. But uh, the point then being is that what I'm experiencing, you are too. You can potentially experience as well. That's why, you know, our ancestors used to say, your head hurts me because they knew everything is everything, dog. You are me and I am you. Everything that I'm experiencing, you've either experienced or will experience or can potentially experience. You know what I'm saying? Um, So even though I'm using myself, please understand that it's not coming from a point of, you know, me trying to bloviate and fucking self-flatulate myself, essentially. Like, no, I'm just relating my example because, fuck, this is, you know, this is how the nature of this works, right? So anyways, with that qualification out of the way, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's not just as simple as coming up here and just delivering the message, right? Because uh, honestly, I know this has been my experience for sure, but whenever you meet people who, you know, are trying to profess some shit that they're not really connected to, you can sense it. Like this person is not being genuine. This person is being very disingenuous with me and it's coming across in their message. And because of that, I'm really not interested in what they have to say because... Fuck these motherfuckers faking the funk straight up. 
Why are they trying to fucking hoodwink me for? Just to keep it 100 with you, right? And that's how I would probably react. That's why I don't really fuck with Jordan Peterson. Uh, I could, for one, I have the knowledge of all the stuff that he's talking about. So I'm just like, well, you're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong, right? Uh, and more importantly, because I already know, like what he said, like, uh, I was, we study this. It's philosophy, right? But more importantly, like the whole, uh, he's detached from the message. He's not sincere. And despite all the tears that he cries, those are fake tears. He's a fucking... He's a huckster dog. You know what I mean? And because of that, I've never really resonated with him. I can, for me personally, I'm not knocking those that do, right? Because I think his, I think the message that he's speaking is important. I just don't think he's the one that should be saying it, right? Um, I think he also knows that it's important, which is why he started saying it because he fucking wanted to capitalize off of that message because he recognized that it is a good message and the, 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 the need for it today, right? And I'm not, what I don't think is that he's sincere and genuine in his uh, is in, in in his intentions of applying that message, right? Just to be explicitly clear. Um, anyway, so I guess the whole point of that then is to uh, uh, emphasize, emphasize rather the fact that if a person is disconnected from the message that they are trying to spread, uh, it comes across. You can notice it. You just you pick that shit up, right? Which would then imply for me that in order to speak about the things that I'm speaking about. Well, I would naturally have to experience these things, right? And by the way, this is one of those things that I'm very conflicted with when it comes to Chicano culture in general. It's on the up, dog. It really is. And it's beautiful to see because it's a beautiful culture. And I'm not just saying that because I myself am a Chicano. But even before I understood what it meant to be a Chicano, I was always drawn towards it, partly because of the aesthetics of it. It's a very beautiful culture. The lowriders, the tattoos, all that kind of shit. This is me doing a lowrider movement, not me fucking... Right, pretending someone's flatulating me. Um, but uh, it, it's just a beautiful culture is what I'm trying to say. For those of you who are listening only, I'm doing like the hand down to the dick area. You know what I'm saying? So I could see how you would think like it's for giving, fucking pretending someone's giving them head. Nah, dog, it's the lowrider, right? <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so the aesthetics of it are very appealing. And because of that, I see, and I'm sure you have as well, the proliferation of Chicano culture around the world. And some of the most obvious examples being in Asia. Asian foods love Chicano culture, which, again, part of me thinks it's beautiful, right? But another part of me is like, bro, you are not qualified to be spreading this message. I'm sorry, but you're just not. Uh, you know, actually, learning this, learning this lesson was very, very powerful to me when it came to learning to understand and respect the importance of our connected indigenous relatives, I guess, for lack of a better term the quote-unquote real natives, right? As opposed to quote-unquote fake natives like myself because I'm detribalized. tier, right? But um, they got a point. They got a point. And the point here is that when you have motherfuckers who are LARPing essentially what it means to be a Native American, it's fucking highly offensive because even though, you know, us deconnect our detribalized folks or worse yet, completely non-indigenous connected people are out there wearing fucking headdresses and shit like, yeah, dog, they're going to see that. And knowing the significance of it, they have every right to be upset about it. You know what I mean? And I didn't really appreciate that. And I didn't really understand that until I started seeing it as well with the Chicano culture. And it's like, I'm not trying to compare the Chicano, structure, uh, uh, Chicano struggle, by the way, to indigenous struggle, specifically in this respect, because what the fuck is Chicano culture? It's like 50 years old. You can't relate that to indigenous culture. That's, it's, it, that's nonsense, okay? The indigenous culture from all over Turtle Island, clearly, clearly will take precedence in terms of uh, historicity, right? I'm not saying that the indigenous culture is not important, or rather Chicano culture is unimportant. I'm just saying that it's a fucking baby compared to the, some of these indigenous cultures. You know what I mean? So that's the point that I'm trying to make. 
Anyways, before I kind of struggled and I was like, well, dog, we're indigenous too. Like, why the fuck are you gatekeeping? Why are you keeping us out? Why are you telling us this and that? And the answer is because they should be, <laughs> honestly. Like, and I started to realize this when it came when it came to the Chicano motherfuckers that are out there around the world, you know, who are paying homage, I guess, to the culture by replicating it, but who don't really have any understanding of where this culture came from, right? And that's kind of the point that I was trying to get to when I stated that I'm, my message, my point was here to deliver this message. And the message is, of course, again, from a Chicano born in 1980s El Paso, Texas, who grew up in the hood, in crime and poverty, drug-infested community, no fucking family, uh, uh, nuclear family outside of my grandparents and, you know, cousins who eventually became my siblings because fuck what European people think a brother and sister is, right? And now is philosophizing in such a way that I'm hoping will serve my purpose to the community. What is my purpose to the community? The hood philosophy, dog, to understand the ways in which navigating all of these, you know, obstacles of growing up in the hood impact people, bro. And the very real effect that they have on our overall lives. Why? So in the hopes of spreading this fucking philosophy that and that doing so will, you know, dynamize thoughts and ideas inside the people who are listening to reflect on their own upbringing, perhaps, and recognize all the ways in which the waters are being blocked within us, right? Water's sacred, homie. The water needs to flow through us. And a lot of, uh, 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 a huge part of growing up in the hood implies that we build these walls, we build up these dams that keep the waters, whether they be emotional, spiritual, attitudinal, etc., from flowing. And because of that, we become very stagnant people. And this is not good, in my opinion, and personal experience, by the way, because ultimately what it means then is that it's limiting us from being able to live the good life that we are capable of. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I spread this philosophy in the hopes that doing so will help break down those walls, not only within myself and the dams within myself, but within those of you who are listening as well. How does this relate to the Chicano foods in fucking Japan? Dog, this is an insight that <laughs> this comes from growing up in the hood. Like you, you, I appreciate you motherfuckers out there lowriding and keeping the culture alive, right? But you have something to offer too, probably that is centered around your cultural experience. And by LARPing essentially to be a Chicano, you're not really doing that. You know what I'm saying? Now, I should be clear that Japanese culture has offered so much to the world, far beyond the fucking weebs that we have to deal now deal with here, right, in the United States. But uh, it's offered so much, especially in terms of, uh, you know, culture. And uh, I'm not saying that you haven't done that. What I'm saying is that you're probably a little bit disconnected from the message of the Chicaneity. You know what I mean? And uh, as much as I appreciate motherfuckers who are keeping the culture alive, because, again, it's a beautiful culture. It's not really, it's not that it's not really. Let me, let me take that part back. I just have to question whether, you know, that's what you're, I don't know, man. I was going to say that's what your sacred Tezcatlipoca is speaking to you. But then even then it's like, maybe it is. Fuck, how do I know? You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's all part of the meditative process, I guess, ultimately that I'm trying to get to with this whole chicaneity. Maybe they do find the, you know, in the Chicano culture, something that allows them to express themselves, right? Uh, in a unique way. I don't know, man. It's just, it's such a complex issue for me that I can't really begin to put my, I mean, I can, obviously I'm trying to, but it's just, 
it, it's it's just such a complex issue that it I can't even struggle. I struggle to even broach it from the most faithful way possible. I say faithful because dog, like I practice a little bit of Japanese culture, so it's like jujitsu, right? So it's like on the one hand, it's an impetus to wants to gatekeep, and on the other hand, it's an impetus to wants to recognize that your head hurts me at the same time. I don't know, man. It's fucking complicated. I guess just the point is it's meditations with art sacred tezcalipoca, right? And that doing so helps reveal to us the reasons why we descended to Tlaltikpak, essentially. This is me paraphrasing, just to be clear. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make with, you know, highlighting these LARPing foods, people that I consider perhaps wrongfully to be LARPing Chicanos, right? Is to just question whether or not that's the reason why they, you know, descended to Tlaltikpak. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't fucking know, right? All I know is that <laughs> circling back around to the center, that, that was kind of a tangent. My apologies. In uh, circling back to the whole point that it is that was for this episode, and that is the you know trauma recovery and the meditative practices, is that in you know emphasizing the importance of engaging with our sacred tezcalipoca so that we could fucking work through and navigate the thing, the trauma essentially that is keeping us from living these fulfilled lives. Which, to me, and I, the reason why I'm so protective of the Chicano culture is because having been through it, having raised through it, specifically the Cholo culture. Having been raised through it, I feel as though it's offered a unique insight. And I'm not mad that other people would try to fucking uh, copy it, but I'm saying I'm questioning the authenticity, I guess, of it. Because, you know, unless you were there, you really don't know what you're talking about type, type shit. You know what I mean? But ultimately, at the same time, and this is the, the point that I'm trying to get to, that doesn't mean that the, the knowledge and the information can't be of benefit. You didn't have to grow up in the hood in the 1980s, early 90s, mid 90s of El Paso, Texas, in amidst Cholo culture to reap the benefits of what the insights have to be from it, right? That come from it. Uh, you could use those insights as well to deal with your own shit. And that's the point that I'm trying to get to, right? As opposed to, you know, seeking uh, other forms of external validation, I guess, to avoid having to do so, right? I guess the central point, dog, <laughs> to further, I just, I just really want to be, I want to be really clear that, um, the reasons why I'm saying this, I'm properly conveying them, right? This is, again, such a new concept to me that I, I naturally struggle, of course, because I'm still formulating these thoughts to properly articulate it in a way that sounds, I don't know, man. It's not that I don't want to be exclusionary, but it's not that I want to be exclusionary, right? I just want to be as faithful to this shit as possible, okay? And what I'm trying to state that, and this is just one example, by the way, the Chicano foods. Because like I said, I, I've done this in many ways. I still do it in many ways. And people do it in a multitude of different ways with all kinds of cultures. It's, again, you know, like I'm conscientious of this as a jujitsu practitioner every time I fucking just do the action because, again, it was created by Japanese people. You know what I mean? Uh, bowing, that's not, a, that's, not, that's not in our culture. You know what I mean? So I recognize that I do this in a lot of ways too. You know what I mean? Um, Chicano foods, Mexican-American specifically, because I don't think any fucking Chicano would ever do this, but... Uh, uh, Mexican-American foods using the fucking N-bomb. You know what I mean? Like adapting or trying to adapt as much of black culture as possible. Like, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, I hate to be one of those social justice progressive fucks, but this is not what this is not what that is, all right? What this is is like me trying to tell, relate the understanding that within us there is a voice that speaks to us of what we are, right? To quote Nietzsche, what does your conscience say to you? Become who you are. You know what I'm saying? But as I've mentioned multiple times, 
Nietzsche's just a fucking confused uh, Nawa dog. There's some motherfucker that happened to be born in Germany, but realistically, in all his grand ideas that he uh, uh, allegedly created, was not dis- doing nothing more than discovering Nawa philosophy, right? And um, so, when it comes to this particular example, the idea is that like it, it, it's a little bit about asking to respect it, right? But to be fair. This this same critique is not just what I'm trying to state directed towards, you know, Asian foods pretending to be Chicanos because there's Chicano foods, Mexican-American foods that pretend to be Chicanos, too. Right. These quote unquote Aztec foods that claim to be Aztec warriors and all this kind of shit. But when it comes time to apply the actual real Nahuatl ancestral philosophy, want nothing to do with it. And the reason being is because our, you know, secret Tezcatlipoca is, you know, gives and takes. And what does it take? takes a lot of fucking courage for one it literally takes a lot of courage on our end to delve into those waters and see why why am i a, why am i a fucking you know the person that i am i'll focus now on the mexican-american community uh specifically those that are relevant to hood philosophy and it's the cholos as i've mentioned before in the past i always had a very contentious relationship with cholos and part of that was because of my view that they weren't really you know they they, they are tough in many instances some of them pretending to be tough, right? But some of them, most of them, absolutely tough people, but not for reasons that uplifted our community. And that's kind of the whole fucking point of what I've been trying to tell you this whole ancestral shit was about. It's about finding our role in our community so that we could fill that role and serve to uplift the community further. You know what I mean? And uh, a lot of my disdain, even though I didn't have the language to articulate it or the, or the knowledge even to properly articulate it back in the day, towards you know cholos in our chicano culture was because i felt as though they weren't doing that in fact they were doing the exact opposite they were keeping us from advancing as a culture the chicano culture in this particular instance right not all of them not all of them but a lot the 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 prison culture cholos for sure like those motherfuckers the motherfuckers that got you know too wrapped up in the banging our set shit like nah dog you guys are you're missing the point You're, you're 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 doing the culture a disservice you know what i mean and uh so yeah it's not just these isolated incidents, it's just one that I was thinking about. And I have more thoughts about it too, but I'll save that about the Asian foods for a different podcast because this isn't one to get into it, right? The one for this one was uh, just speaking again <laughs> to, uh, to to the role of our sacred Tezcatlipoca and the, and the effect that it has on our lives and us coming to the understanding of the role that we are supposed to play in this life, right? Um, again, scary, terrifying process. For me, no exception. One of, in full disclosure, one of the other reasons why, besides the you know famine or feast rather that we're currently experiencing with enrollment, famine was during the fucking COVID pandemic, bro. That shit was rough as a college professor. It was rough for everybody, right? But enrollment wise, it was fucking rough. Right now, uh, feast. Anyways, another reason though beyond just the feast at work is, you know, I'm not I'm not fucking perfect. I'm not a whole individual. I, I I'm sure you've picked this up and I'm trying to I, I try to be as fucking forthcoming with this as possible. I have a lot of shortcomings, dog. A lot of my own personal shortcomings that I'm still trying to deal with that directly impact my ability or perhaps better stated my inability to consistently podcast, to consistently train jujitsu, to consistently lift weights, to consistently, you know, be a better, more importantly than all of those things. To be a better father, to be a better partner, to be a better, you know, family member. Like, I have all of these things that keep me from being able to do that. Because, again, I'm not an actualized person. I'm just trying to be one. You know what I mean? And because of that, those things occasionally 
they get the best of me. And one of the one of the benefits that I found from Nawa philosophy, because as I mentioned before, at very early episodes of this podcast, part of the reason why I even started philosophizing in the first place was to try to find answers to that. You know what I mean? Which is why I was initially a psychology major, right? But I needed answers. I need to find answers for those actions so I could try to live a better life. And then I discovered Nawa philosophy. And it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. This makes so much more sense than what the fuck the European people are telling me. So I get in, in, enmeshed into this. And uh, the, the benefit of it being that it has given me a better roadmap to understand those issues as well as to try to, you know, escape them. But the fact of the matter is, dog, I'm still heavily, heavily plagued by those issues. And they have a very direct impact on my life. And, you know, a lot of this I attribute to the negative programming that we endured by way of the Western culture, the Western Christian world. Like, this, it is what it is. And uh, specifically when it comes to institutional learning facilities, it's one of the reasons why I really do believe like this is the path that I'm on for a reason, right? All the suffering, I'm okay with it. And this is an ancestral Nahuatl truth, Doug. We seek the suffering because the suffering is what makes us stronger. We become stronger for it. You know what I mean? Uh, we should purposely, whenever we're trying to level up, purposely look for struggle because through the struggle is how we, you know, level up. Again, our ancestors, the Nawa, are not the only people that have discovered this. Elders have as well, right? But it's definitely a core tenet of their philosophy. Cosmology. So how it relates to this is simple. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily mind the suffering anymore because, you know, I find it for a reason. What's the reason? To help do this, to help offer up these flowers to you. What are the flowers? The philosophy that I'm hoping that, again, I got to continue to perpet- uh, reiterate will hopefully inspire with you, within you the ideas that, um, you know, awaken within you and help you un, uh, uh, reveal this truth to you, the truth here being the feeling that I experience, right? Because your head hurts me and I want my head to hurt you as well, right? That sounds very fucking sexual. But the point being like, mi cabeza, way, right? <laughs> Not my head as in my head game. That's disgusting. Don't even go there, right? Don't even think about that. Try to keep it as philosophically relevant as possible. Anyways, so, um, yeah, dog, and the point that I'm trying to state then is that it's through this suffering, you know, which we reveal to ourselves with honest reflection and, you know, put aside all of the pretense, whether it be Chicano culture, whether it be jujitsu culture, all that kind of shit, to get to the source of who we are and then try to manifest that source of what we are, that essence of what we are, to help bring it to the community to uplift it. How do we uplift it? By offering these flowers. What are the flowers that I'm going to leave you in closing with? It is the role that these systematic institutional learning facilities have played to help perpetuate this colonial project that basically laid the foundation for this Western world, which is a world. It's a diseased world, dog. The Western world is diseased. It's sick. It's fucking dying, more importantly, which is a great thing because this is it's not a good culture. Okay. I do not care what anybody says. You know what I mean? I don't fucking owe this country or this culture anything. Uh, This country and this culture has created the conditions, the socioeconomic, the material conditions, historical material conditions that led to this very moment and this very fucking uh, thing that I'm about to tell you. And that is that, you know, it's, it's not the best. It could be better. And part of that being better is by Acknowledging that it's diseased and, you know, fucking dying in the first place. But more importantly, 
fulfilling our role that we have to play in order to build this new, better world, which is ultimately, ultimately, and fucking final set and closing, the reason why I look skeptically at people when we're living inauthentically, myself included. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I would love to just mope around all day and be a shitty fucking sad person, I know that I cannot do that. I know because, I mean, I could, I could, but then I would be that fucking cholo that I was talking about earlier that isn't helping advance our culture. You know what I mean? I could be that person living in bad faith and pretending to be another thing that I'm not, but then I'm not fulfilling the purpose that I was built here, that I was put here, that I that I came here for, right? And in doing so, I'm not helping to build this better world that we can have, which is a tragedy because as somebody, like I'm sure you too, who has to navigate the trauma inherent with living in this modern world can attest to, it's it's fucking shitty, man. And I, I I would I hate the idea of not only other people like myself, my current, you know, uh demographic uh experiencing this, like the idea that you're suffering the so in similar ways to way the, the ways that I'm suffering, and that a large part of that are predicated on a culture that we could easily change that's hurtful. You know what I mean? But nowhere near as hurtful as knowing that future generations can suffer as well, perhaps needlessly, because as I mentioned, suffering not necessarily a bad thing. But needless suffering, that's a different story. And in this case, it would be needless because perhaps people like myself didn't have the strength to be able to manifest the reasons that we're here. And because of that, we did not create the world that would have been more, more you know, conducive to those that are coming after us, the future ancestors, to allow them to thrive and to enjoy life, right? And um, ultimately... This is, in my behalf, on, on, in my belief, a failure on you know my behalf and the behalf of every person that isn't working to, you know, manifest their purpose because the whole purpose of purpose purpose of life again is to continue to advance and grow. And if we are if we are uh, stopping that, then we are blocking the flow of water. We are the stagnant pools that are polluting the gene, the genetic memory, and all that kind of stuff that will potentially build better worlds for all people on this planet, dog, irrespective of, you know, and this is where I get new age hipster shit on it, but it's true for, cause I, I really do believe this by way of just philosophy in general, but specifically Nahua philosophy, um, that it could help create the better world that will allow for peoples for all over the world to appreciate, not, not appreciate, but rather, uh, enjoy this experience of life. Cause ultimately dog, I do believe it's beautiful and worth living. A lot of bullshit in between it, you know what I mean? A lot of it on our own on our own end that we gotta work through, right? It's hard because you know, you don't we don't wanna address our shortcomings, but ultimately it's necessary not only for our own interpersonal relationships, but for us to, you know, and also for us to manifest our, our purpose here on earth, but ultimately most importantly to build that world that our fucking future ancestors deserve authenticity i guess dog realistically like in the most existential sense that i've been talking about uh on this podcast before with heidegger is it that's basically what i'm trying to say here right you know what i'm saying like dog if you were authentically a chicano living in japan more power to you homie but you know if it's and it's not just that's just one fucking small example i'm doing it i do it all the time too dog i fucking you know larp all kinds of shit that i'm trying to be mindful of because I recognize that what that is, is it's just another barrier that's keeping the water from flowing authentically through me and helping me 
actually live the reason why, live my fucking purpose, essentially. You know what I'm saying? I've been caught up in so many different things that I, fu I fucking fashioned myself to be. I'm a jujitsu person. I'm a college professor. I'm an X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm actually not any of that. That's just things that I enjoy to do, that are hobbies that I enjoy to do, which don't have to be monetized, by the way, because fuck capitalism. What I am is this person who's creating this message in hopes that it inspires within others the ideas that helps reveal to them the truths that are similar to this one. And anything that isn't fucking, uh, you know, helping with that is, you know, me being disingenuous with myself, which is why I continue to be like, are you a Chicano in Japan? Cool, more power to you. But if not, like, what are you really, dog? Because that's the reason, you know, if you really want to apply this ancestral knowledge, that's the reason why we're here. You know what I mean? Uh, we're here to discover that purpose and then manifest it, as I've already stated multiple times, right? So, yeah, I guess that's about as good a point as any to wrap this bitch up. This is the first one back in two months, so that was just, just trying to get my fucking, my feet wet, right? Trying to get my feet back into the water slowly but surely uh, uh, of this podcasting game and continue to share with you all, hopefully, more of the insights that I hope that, you know, resonate with you in a way that the ideas that inspired these this episode resonated with me right and um yeah until then i hope you all have a great rest of your day and i'll see you for the next one peace